Please turn to Acts chapter 28, verses 16 through 31. We are going to finish the book of Acts while we kind of enact a new beginning later today for Highlands. Acts 28, 16 through 31, and this is the very word of God, the revelation from God to us. And when we came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. And after three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews, and when they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. And when they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty, because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and to speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. And they said to him, We have received no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you. But we desire to hear from you and what your views are, for with regard to this sect, we know that everywhere, the sect Christianity, it is spoken against. And when they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in great numbers, the Jews did. From morning until evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, and others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right. This is after their disagreement with the gospel. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but you will never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and their ears can barely hear, And their eyes have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And the book of Acts ends with the words with all boldness and without hindrance. Now I'd like to kind of put it put this all in a sentence for you 
It simply is this, that the advance of the gospel is always the triumph of God through his people. Let me say that again. Anytime the gospel advances, the advance of the gospel is always the triumph of God through his people. And that's basically the story of the book of Acts. And as we finish the book of Acts, I'd like to take you back to chapter 1 and verse 8. It's kind of the great commission in the book of Acts. It's that, that command that, that set the whole thing in motion just before Jesus ascended. He said these words to his disciples in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And when you receive power, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, in all Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And what we see is the book of Acts is kind of a, has kind of a, a geographical outline out of the Great Commission. Acts 1-8 becomes the story of the book of Acts. Chapters 1 through 7 is the ministry in Jerusalem. Chapters 8 through 12 is the ministry in Judea and Samaria. And then chapters 13 through 28 that we've been covering is the how the ministry went into Asia Minor, the modern-day Turkey, and to all the world, including Rome. And the book ends at the ends of the earth, in the epicenter of the Gentile world. Isn't that cool? That the, that the book of Acts is laid out on Acts 1-8 geographically. And that is the significance of the first verse of our text, verse 16, just these words, and when we came to Rome. That's significant because it's been a long time coming. And the advance of the kingdom is the triumph of God. As this geography has as the geography of the kingdom has expanded to the epicenter of the civilized world. And we're finally there. And it's a really short period of time that all this happens. You understand, 33 A.D., Jesus died. This is 61 A.D. So we're just talking basically 30 years that Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, um, the ends of the earth happens. It's an amazing feat of, of the Holy Spirit. In fact, some people call the Acts of the Apostles. They say, no, it should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. And I, and I think there's a good point in that. And it's an amazing thing, and, and, his, and his church is rejoicing. His Apostles are rejoicing. But you know, I think the other point to make is, is simply this. It's amazing what God does, but it's not easy. It never is. Anything associated with the gospel of Jesus Christ will never be easy. No, the book ends, the book of Acts ends with verse 31 saying that, that the kingdom work of the gospel is going forth boldly and without hindrance. And what that means, this without hindrance, means that, that, that God is, is, sure that, is making sure that nothing stops the advance of the gospel. It means for Paul that though he's imprisoned in Rome, he's not in the middle jail cell. That's his second 
imprisonment where he's in the middle jail cell. He's actually allowed to be under house arrest, if you will. He's actually able to, to kind of live and move and have a Roman soldier chained to him. And he's able to preach. And, and you'll notice all the Jewish uh, leaders and, and, and people come to his dwelling place. And the gospel's unhindered. But he is chained. And he is in prison. You see, the gospel always goes forward if it goes forward boldly, by faith, and without hindrance. But that does not mean without opposition. The fact that it can't be stopped doesn't mean that the forces of evil don't try to stop the advance of the gospel. Anything significant for God will always encounter opposition. And all through the book of Acts, what do we see? Beatings, stonings imprisonment. I mean, you know, you get into 2 Corinthians and, you know, Paul makes that list. I won't read it. And shipwrecks and everything else. You've never seen more roadblocks and more downright opposition than you have in the book of Acts. And yet, the gospel is unhindered. And uh, let me tell you what it's saying to us. If we're willing to trust God and be a part of this thing, God's saying to us this morning, look, I got it. I got it. You got to believe this. You, you follow me. I'll make sure the gospel goes forward. You trust me. Take the next step. I, nothing will hinder me because the advance of the kingdom of God, you see, is always the victory, the triumph of God through his people. Remember, that's the sentence that I wanted you to, to remember. And this last section of the book of Acts starts off with opposition, doesn't it? Paul has his quarters, um, he's chained to the Roman soldier, and he invites the, the Jewish leaders to come to his house. Uh, they come to his house. He basically wants to know where they stand. You know, of course he does. When he was taken to Caesarea, the, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem followed him and demanded the death penalty, demanded that they take him back to Jerusalem. Forty assassins were, were, had said they weren't going to eat until Paul was dead. This is serious business. Paul appealed to Caesar. Paul got taken to Rome. So he brings the Jewish leaders together under Roman guard. It's kind of good that he's got a Roman guard, like meeting with the Jewish leaders at this point, to be honest with you. It's kind of like having a bodyguard chained to your wrist. And uh, in the late 40s, this is 61 AD, in the late 40s, the Caesar actually kicked the Jews out of Rome for a period of time. And they're just not really willing to engage Paul. They're not, you know, they, it makes it sound like they don't know much about Christianity. Christianity had been in Rome a long time. Paul had written the book of the Romans, uh, his letter to the Romans, three years before this. So they get together, no, we hadn't heard anything about you. We've not had any letters about you. And we'd love to hear what you have to say. And um, what I'd like to, to emphasize is verse 23, where they come back to Paul's house, and it says they bring a large number of, of the Jews come to listen to, the Paul, to Paul. And Paul opens the Scriptures all day long. Can you imagine? I mean, from morning till night, he opens the Scriptures. Verse 23, when they had appointed a day for him, 
they came to him at his lodging in great numbers. From morning until evening he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Now, trying to show Jesus starting with the law and using the prophets reminds us of another passage in the New Testament. Can anybody think of what that might be? It's in Luke chapter 24. It it happens right after the resurrection, and there are two disciples just dejected on the way back to their village called Emmaus. And they're walking on the road to Emmaus, and this person comes up behind them, and it's Christ, the risen Christ, and they don't recognize him immediately, and they will recognize him. And what we read in Luke 24 is, as they walked, I mean, a long time, it says that he started basically with the beginning of the Old Testament and through the law and through the prophets, he demonstrated that the Christ would come, that the Christ would suffer and rise again. Can you imagine Jesus himself expounding the Old Testament, showing those two men himself all through the Old Testament as the hope of Israel? That Paul says he is bringing the hope of Israel. Well, of course, the, the, the believers on the road to Emmaus were believers, and they saw it, and they got it. And, and when he broke the bread and the action of his prayer, maybe they saw his wrist, we don't know, and they ran back and said, we, we've seen the Lord. Well, Paul does an Emmaus moment, so to speak, on these people, and does exactly what Jesus does. Starting with the law of Moses, it says, exact same wording, and the prophets showing Christ as the hope of Israel. And we read that some of them believed. But most of them totally rejected Jesus. And not only did they totally reject Jesus as being the hope of Israel, they got into an incredible disagreement with one another. And Paul began to see the hardness of the heart. He began to see that this was not going to go the direction that the that the Jewish synagogues of Rome were going to open up to the gospel. And that's when he quotes the prophet Isaiah about the hardness of hearts and the fact that eyes refuse to be open, ears are stopped up, or they would see, they would hear, and I love the term, they would believe with their hearts and God would heal them. And so Paul says to them, just like he has in other places, Acts 16 is a great example where he says, you, you show yourself unworthy of the gospel, therefore we are turning to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles heard it and rejoiced, and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. Now that's Acts 16, 38. This is where Paul says in Romans uh, 28, 28, therefore let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. In the book of Romans, in the last chapter, you know, Paul a lot of times finished his books with with kind of concluding in your your Bible. It might have a little paragraph heading, concluding remarks or something like that. Twenty-seven names are mentioned in the book of Romans. You ought to look at those names. All but a handful of them are Roman names. That's awesome. 
Do you see the Scriptures are coming true and, and, and the, the seed of Abraham, and, and it is a light to the Gentiles and the church of Rome, and they love God and they are captured by the Gospel. They are willing to suffer and the advance of God's kingdom is God's victory through them. They are the Gentiles and we see it in verse 28. And Paul is rejoicing even in the book of Romans, and saying, I want to come see you. And he's there now. But you know what's interesting about the close of the book of Acts? The book of Acts closes with verse 31, how Paul preaches the kingdom and teaches about Jesus Christ boldly and without hindrance. Stop. You're like, okay, what's the point? <laughs> The point is, that's not the end of Paul's story. Paul, it says he lives there two whole years. Paul lives there two whole years. There's two more years to tell in the first imprisonment. Then they release him. Then he goes traveling again for three years. Then he's rearrested. Then he comes back to, for his second imprisonment, finally to be, as tradition tells us at least, to be beheaded, decapitated by the Romans in 68 A.D., there's a whole lot more to Paul's story than what the book of Acts records. There, there are, most of the books of the Bible aren't even written, uh, excuse me, of, of Paul's letters are not written at this point. They're written beyond this point. It's like, dude, why didn't you finish the story? <laughs> why doesn't Luke? the author of the book of Acts, writing to Theophilus? Why doesn't he finish the story? Oh, it's on purpose, I assure you. Because the story of the book of Acts isn't the story of Paul. It's not the story of Philip, kind of going backward to Samaria, to Jerusalem. It's not the story of Peter. The story of the book of Acts is the story of the advance of the gospel, and this is representative. This is not even all the stories that could be told. This is representative of this. It's the story of God's triumph in the advance of the gospel through people. And Luke leaves us, as it were, at the ends of the earth, just like the geographical outline promises. And he leaves us with the gospel unhindered and boldly going forth. He leaves us with the gospel in motion at the ends of the earth. It is as if Luke is saying, and the Holy Spirit, through you know, giving Luke the ability to write this, the story of the gospel and the advance of the gospels not over. Hey, believer. Hey, church. Hey, Highlands, take up the story that was in motion where I left it off that is not complete, and you need to be a part of it. You get that? I love that. This is the story of the gospel from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth, and it still is that story. And we, we are in the story. And we have taken that up, and that is where we come in. And that is 
a big part of the meaning of this day and what we're about to do in the rain after the second service. And we will trust God today to advance the gospel because of His promise in the book of Acts and His power and His triumph and it will be without hindrance. I promise. And it will be bold. I was kind of bummed about the forecast. You know, I, I must, you know, I, I probably didn't fast and pray enough this week. Um, oh, Lord, please don't let it rain on Sunday. <laughs> and I think maybe what God's saying is no. I want it to rain on Sunday. I want you out in the rain on Sunday. And I want you to break ground and rain ain't going to stop you. And I want this to be a visual illustration of what unhindered means. Because if you live for the gospel, if you want to advance the gospel, it's always going to be raining something on you. It's always going to be torrential something. If you're looking for personal peace, you're in the wrong world. That's called heaven. This is called the advance of the gospel against the opposition of our enemy. The same God who triumphs through us allows the opposition. You do get that, don't you? It's okay that it's raining. It ain't going to stop the ground breaking. It's okay that you're going through some hard stuff. It's not going to stop you from loving Jesus. It's okay that there are roadblocks for highlands and have been and threatening things and potentially fracturing things. It's okay, but it's not going to stop highlands. Because we're going to trust God. And we're going to see His triumph through us. And, God, and, and let me tell you, folks, God has given us such favor. I've had a chance to really think a lot about that. You know, Brad and I have a pastor friend, and he calls Highlands. He, he has a, a name for Highlands. Not the Island of Misfit Toys. That's another pastor that calls us the PCA Island of Misfit Toys. I love that. Love that. Yeah, and I'm a Misfit Toy, too. That's, that's about grace, right? He calls it... He calls our church Happy Highlands. You know why? Because he's when, around, when he's around Highlands people, he's around people that are real excited about the kingdom of God. And, you know, we love to love one another. And, you know, I mean, we're sinners. And we live in a plastic world. And, it's hard, and you know, you can barely eke out any kind of community anyway. And yet God is, is giving favor. And he's giving, trying to give something real. And it's joyful. He calls it Happy Highlands. He said one time, I have to go back to my church and you get to go home to Happy Highlands. <laughs> I said, you're right, I do. Um, <laughs> and God is advancing the gospel through Highlands, through you. And we are happy about it. We are so filled with joy to be a part of it. You know, I could detail for you, and I'm not, big challenges and issues that, that we have faced as a church many that you're not supposed to know about, to be honest with you, <laughs> that we have faced in the last four years. And God has just brought us through. 
That's been amazing. I mean, there's been pushback. But you finally can't push back, finally, against a group of people who take up the challenge at the end of the book of Acts and just step right into that place with Paul. And our enemy has tried hard to stop Highlands from taking the next step. But you realize this step is a big step. It's about the gospel going forward. But God has brought us through. And today is only just one example of many, actually, of many faith-oriented things that God has called us to do. That was true of the last time that Highlands broke ground, that hearty bunch of people, some of which I'm, I'm looking at here in, in the sanctuary. Let me tell you about those people back in 1996, I believe. They had faith. And a lot against them. More than you would realize. Yes, they did. And um, it was raining on their ground baking day too. I got some pictures from Don Weeks, or Gina got some pictures from Don Weeks, and you know, Mac, I remember you in the picture. I saw you in the picture. Um, y'all were looking a whole lot younger in these pictures. There was umbrellas everywhere, and it was raining that day as well. Uh, they had opposition. But you know what? We're sitting here today, aren't we? And they were unhindered. And and might I say, before we step into a new period of time that we will be responsible for, by faith, might I say thank you to all of those who gave that gift to us who have come behind you and have joined with you in this March to Zion together. And we're so happy to be a part of it. So let's take the next step. Let's take the next step with our motivation being simply the advance of the gospel in the greater Jackson area, the state of Mississippi, the United States, and the ends of the earth. Let's take the next step. It's a big moment. It's exciting. And um, let's raise up a testimony to the fact that God hasn't changed. And where the book of Acts ends up is an invitation for us to be a part of redemptive history as well, where we live. So let's let's claim it. You can watch it on the internet. You can claim it with us. Let's claim it. Let's set it apart for God's glory and God's glory alone. And joyfully trust God at this point in the history of the gospel at Highlands. And let's keep looking to Jesus and keep being happy in the gospel who is the author and the what? The finisher of our faith. The advance of the gospel is always the triumph of God through his people. And thus ends the book of Acts, proclaiming the kingdom and teaching Jesus Christ boldly and without hindrance. Let's pray. Lord, we look to you. We are your servants. And we want to follow you, and thank you for all that in the last two years that has led up to this new beginning. It's going to be exciting to see this testimony to the advance of the gospel raised up from the earth. 
We look forward to that. But Lord, we not only claim this for the gospel, we claim it for the covenant. For those, not only our opportunity to have more ministry in this place, but for our children's opportunity, should you tarry. Lord, would you let people look back on the folks in this church now and let them say those two were people of faith and the gospel advanced through Highlands has been unbelievable. 